Welcome to those of you. I see some new faces today worshiping with us for the first time. We're so glad that you are here and we welcome you to this gathering this morning. God bless you. Amen. And can I encourage you today? For those of you that are here and those of you that are here for the first time, can I encourage you this afternoon to check out the most important thing of the day that we do, and that's our small groups. They're groups that meet in homes all over the area. We have small groups that meet all over the area, depending on their numerous amounts of uh, choices and demographics of groups and start times. Some start as early as 2 o'clock. Some start as late at 6, and there's multiples to choose from. We would We'd love for you to visit one of our small groups and see where the real stuff happens. Amen. Those of you that go to small group, can I at least get an amen? They know I'm not lying. Amen. I'm glad that we gather here together, but the Bible doesn't talk just simply about gathering together in a building, but the Bible talks about wherever two or three are gathered together in my name. And so uh, I know in the traditional world sense that gathering together in a church building, and I use that term loosely, is what we define as being church. But the Bible never defined church by a building. In fact, the Bible never declared that a building was a church. We declared that in our society, in our culture, but that's not what the Bible says. And we do what the Bible says. And the Bible talks about that the ministry of the apostles, the ministry of Jesus, was from house to house. And so we have... In the last number of months especially, we've established that, and God has begun to bless that. And I encourage you to be experienced. It's, it's, I've often wondered what it was like to walk the streets at the time of Jesus, to be a part of what it was like to be in Jerusalem during the book of Acts experience. But we don't have to wonder. We can live it. We don't have to wonder about it. We can live it. But i got to be honest with you, we can't live it in a building. we got to live it out there. Because if you look at the events of the book of Acts, it didn't happen in a building. It happened out there. The Holy Ghost was poured out where? In a house. Hallelujah. So we are, we're, we're, we're getting away from being building-centered. We're getting back to being Bible and Jesus-centered. And so we are a church of small groups, but we're not a church that does small groups. We're a church of small groups. And so I encourage you to participate, be a part of that. If you don't know anything about that and you want to know, we've got a pamphlet back there that you can pick up. They'll explain to you a little bit about what we're doing. And also we can hook you up with one that you can try. And you can try out multiple. You can go to one every week before you find the one you like. But we just love for you to experience what God is doing. Amen. You can remain seated. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And before we go there and get deep and get into the word for this morning, I have to just kind of tell you a little bit where we are and what the Lord is doing in me personally and how we, because when I get off into where I, I'm going today, it, 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 it's, you might wonder how we, how we got to where we were today. But I've noticed and been convicted in my my life the last number of years especially I've noticed that there have been some things in my heart and my spirit that uh, that are warning signs that if not taken control of could lead to other things I've noticed especially in the last number of years that uh, I've had more struggle with anger I've had more struggle with certain aspects of emotion in my life and I've never really struggle with these things before and I've sort of I've sort of chalked it up to being uh, sort of the change of life the pressure 
that uh, that I've been under and I've used every excuse that I can think of and everything that's happened and, uh, you know, all this stuff that we normally do to sort of massage the fact that we have things in our life that uh, that are sort of heading down a wrong road. But the Lord has been convicting me of these things and challenging me to to change some of these things. That it's not simply an env- my environment, it's really what's in me that matters. Because really, it's not your environment, but it's what's inside of you. Because if you go back and you look at numerous situations in Scripture, you find that people were in situations that could have changed them, but it was what was inside of them that made the difference. We like to talk about our situations. We like to point fingers at possibly things that are around us because then that gives us an, gives us an excuse. Well, I am the way I am because of this, or I'm able to do this, or I can't do this because of that, or I'm under a lot of pressure at work, or or I'm in a bad marriage, or I, uh, my kids are driving me crazy, or my parents are are nutty, or my wife is out of control, my husband is just overbearing. All these things that we point out as a reason for the way we are, and there may be some aspect to that but bottom line is simply this is that we have to make choices in our lives that pertain to ourselves I've seen over the 38 years almost 38 years of being in church and being a part of the body of Christ from the moment I was born my parents started this church that we're connected to we're 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 in case you don't know a little bit about our history, that we, we, we become a satellite church out of another church, and that church is what my parents have started 47 years ago. And so when I was born, I was born into this and started attending church from my very first memories I can think of are tied to being in a church, going to be a part of a gathering, and all these things are tied. And my entire life... It's sort of wrapped up in that. So I've seen a lot of them. I've experienced a lot. And I've seen a lot of comings and a lot of goings. And I've got to be honest with you. I've seen a lot of people that come and will stand at an altar and they'll weep. Or they'll stand at an altar and they'll pray out to God. But they leave and you never see anything in their life change. I've watched people that when you see them in a gathering, they look good and they act right, but when they walk out, they're jerks. I just cut to the chase. Let's just get to where it is. They're not nice people. I got to be honest with you. We joked about this several a while back, but but uh, but Antioch Central had had sort of taken a spearhead on it, but they started selling some Antioch. Memorabilia and merchandise, cups and sweatshirts and all this kind of stuff. And I joked about it, but I was half joking, half serious. Before you allowed to purchase that, you should come see me. Because I got to be honest with you, not everybody that come is qualified to buy a coffee cup. Because here's why: we don't, we the people on your job don't need to know you go to this church. Because the way you act on your job is not indicative of the people we are. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Because when you're in here, you act holy, but when you act on your job, you act like a fool. You're lazy, you got an attitude, your boss can't get you to do anything, and then you go slap your coffee cup up there and say, come to my church. I'm not coming near your church. Now, I said it before, I have some churches I'll give you their coffee cup. You can gladly take that. Why? Because it's one thing to come, but it's another thing to live it. 
Let's draw your attention to the Bible today. It's in the letter of Paul to the Galatians, chapter 5. You can remain seated. I've got several verses to read here. Verse number 13, Paul says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Too many people say, well, I've been free. But free, and they use that freedom as a way to fulfill their flesh. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Now get this. All of it comes down to boiling down to this. Now imagine this. Everything comes down to this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We think all the law comes down to Calvary. All the law comes down to Jesus coming and robing himself in flesh. All the law comes down to this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch this. But if you bite and devour one another, woo, beware lest you be consumed by one another. We are turned off by the idea of cannibalism. None of us could even imagine ever being in a situation where we would be so desperate that we would turn to eating another human being. But yet we're okay with chewing someone up with our mouth. We're okay criticizing somebody and chewing them up. Verse 16, I say then. Now, he just said all this stuff. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, beware, let you be consumed. And here's where the key was. But I say to you, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I won't ask you to answer this out loud, but how many of you struggle with sin in your life? How many of you deal with things that you can't seem to get over? Whether it's an addiction, whether it's some kind of lust, whatever it is, you can't seem to come over. And you, you, you try everything you can. I got a solution for you. The Bible just gave it. Walk in the Spirit. For the lust, for the flesh, lust against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. What does that mean? That inside of you today, there's a war going on. There's a war inside of you where spirit is fighting against flesh and flesh is fighting against spirit. And notice this in verse number 17. What's the first letter of that word spirit? Lowercase or uppercase? Uppercase, which means that's God's spirit. So God's spirit that's in you is fighting against your flesh and it's at war. And your flesh, your flesh is fighting against God at this very moment. And these are contrary one to another. So that you do not do, oh my goodness, is this an amen? Can I, if you don't amen anything that happens today, can you at least amen this? So that you do not do the things that you wish. Amen. I think every person in this room could at least say amen to that. I seem sometimes to not be able to do the things that I really want to do. I know I need to do these things, but I just can't seem to do it. Why? Because there's a battle inside of you, and you're not winning that battle. So if you're not winning that battle, you can't do the things that you wish to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. evident. And here's the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, nudeness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, Outbursts of wrath, self ambitions. Boy, that's a big that's a big deal now. 
How can that be bad? Self-ambitions. Make something of yourself. Go do something. Dog eat dog. Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will what? Hold up. So that means I can come to a gathering and I can do everything I think I'm supposed to do. But yet if these things are in my life, I will do what? Not inherit the kingdom of God. We're going to get real today. You may not like it, but that's okay. And those who practice thing will not inherit the kingdom of God, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about a couple weeks ago, fruit. Where's Ruthie at? Here you are, Ruthie. Ruthie and I had a great conversation because we're talking about fruit. And she made the statement. And that's sort of the thing we've done. For those of you that have been coming to, to been a part of the church for years, we've always thought about fruit as winning souls. Right? So if you want winning souls, you don't have fruit. I got to be honest with you. You can, a sinner can give a tract to another sinner and they can get saved. So winning souls is not indicative of the fruit in your life. Because here's true fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, which is patience. Meaning if you're always trying to get somebody to change because they're not changing fast enough, you don't have the spirit. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I feel good today. I'm telling you, I feel good. It's crawling up on me. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against there is no such law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. I started doing some study a little bit. Some of this stuff fascinates me. It's sort of one of the things I, I started down this journey, not for really anything necessarily to have so I can come up with some cool thing to talk about on a Sunday morning. I just did it for my own amusement because I'm curious about some of this stuff. And I started reading some medical stuff, some medical journals, some medical studies and came across some fascinating things. And there's some things I've, I've found. Medical science has now determined that those who go to a weekly gathering part of a church that there's actually health benefits to that they notice that they're living longer having less diseases have happier lives and are less depressed but i got to be honest with you there's a complete difference in going and living if there's an advantage and a benefit to simply going then what are the benefits to living this thing out. Where it's simply not attending and going and putting in two hours or three hours on Sunday morning. And simply putting that as your time. That there's actually medical research now that says that is actually adding to the health of your life. That beyond that, what would it be to live this thing every day? In fact, to go further, I read several books by a doctor by the name of Andrew Newberg. Andrew Newberg is a neuroscience neuroscientist, studies brain functions at the University of Pennsylvania. He's not a believer. He's not a Christian. He did not study this to prove there is a God or there's not a God. He simply was trying to see what effect 
God, or so-called God, if you're a believer in God, has on your brain. And so he began to study brain functions and what God, or so-called those who believed in God, the effect that that had on a human brain. And he discovered there are ten things that make your brain grow. Number ten, yawning. So when I'm preaching, some of your brain is growing. I can see I'm not tired, preacher. My brain's just growing. This is getting bigger. But here's the two. The two things, the number two and number one things he said causes your brain to grow the most. Number two, faith. And the number one thing, according to Andrew Newberg, that causes your brain to grow is prayer. That he actually researched and studied a pattern of brain for those who prayed. And I forget, I can't remember, it's in the book. But there's several books he wrote. But it, he studied the fact that pe- people who prayed on a daily basis a certain amount of time. He studied their brain functions over a period of time. And determined that over this period of time, their brain grew versus those who were not praying. So what does that tell me? I'm not here today, and I'm going to make some. I'm going to make some things and talk about some things scientifically. I'm not here today to say science and talk about science, and I'm not trying to make a proclamation on health. I just found these things because it's quite fascinating to me. Because you know what? Being a disciple of Jesus Christ and having a relationship with Jesus is the greatest thing on earth. There's nothing better than being a disciple of Jesus. Notice, I'm very careful how I say that. I didn't say the greatest thing on earth is coming to church. The greatest thing on earth is being a disciple and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater on this earth. But i got to be honest with you, doing that the wrong way can be the most damning thing to be involved in. Because there's some of you in this room that say, well, you know what, I'm... I'm coming and I'm a being a part and I'm trying to be a disciple. But I don't think this is the greatest thing in on earth. Can I tell you today by the time I'm done, hopefully you'll see the reason why that is because you're doing it the wrong way. Because if you're doing it God's way, you'll find that God, God's way is superior in every way. Because we said... There is a war inside of you today. There is a war in you. Paul said this to the Galatians. There is a war in you today where flesh is fighting against spirit and spirit is fighting against flesh. And who wins that war is not just determining your happiness. That who wins that war is determining your eternal destination. See, this goes beyond the fact we've been talking about this. We've discovered, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, especially going back to what we talked about months ago, the difference between emotionalism and transformationalism. Emotionalism is simply getting emotionally charged, but nothing changed because sometimes emotion deals with my flesh. It makes my flesh feel good. Yesterday, I had a great opportunity. I had an opportunity. I went to see the capital hockey, that Washington Capitals play in a hockey game. At a playoff game. I got to be honest with you. Emotionally it felt good. Don't judge me. (laughs) To stand with all those people. And to cheer when our team scored a goal. Yeah. 
And to get mad when they gave up a stupid goal. What are you doing? And at the end, and over time, they scored a goal, and everybody's cheered. We won emotionally. I felt good. But I woke up this morning with only a memory, and it didn't change me. It didn't change me. We got some Philadelphia Eagle fans in here that several months ago got to celebrate. They got to celebrate because their team won the Super Bowl. But got to be honest with you, now that we are, here we are three months later, your life hasn't changed because the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And all of the Patriot fans that thought their life was coming to an end because their team lost, their life has continued to go on. Because it's emotion. And emotion deals with flesh. But we talked about the fact that it's not about emotionalism. It's about I want to change. You know what? God's love and God is about making. He wants to make you feel comfortable. God's not about making you feel uncomfortable. God's not about exposing you. God's about making you feel uncomfortable. But here's the thing. When he gets you comfortable, he's not going to leave you where you are because it's God's desire to help you change. As they say, God loves you like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like you are. God loves you where you are, but God doesn't want you to stay where you are. Because God sees things in you that are going to make you a better you. You see, that's the problem. Is Most of us are driven in these things through guilt and shame. And guilt and shame are the things that are driving us to be, try to become a better person. Because we feel guilty about the things we've done. Or we feel guilty about the acts we've committed. Or we have shame about things in our life. And so therefore we try to change these things. But the problem is guilt and shame produce the works of the flesh. And the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who what? Walk after the flesh and not after the spirit. So what in the mean? If I'm walking in the flesh, I'm dealing with condemnation. Why is that important? Because condemnation leads me to condemning, which causes me to lose hope that there's going to change. And some of you sitting here today and the thought is, I want to change, but I don't feel like I'll ever be able to change. Here's why. Because you're walking in flesh. Because you know what? God's way of dealing with this is not condemnation. God doesn't shame you. God doesn't guilt you into anything. If you feel guilt and shame, that's not coming from God. And if you think you can use guilt and shame on somebody to get them to change, you're proving you're trying to change them in the flesh. If your method of changing them is not love, If your message of changing them is not to love them to Jesus, but to condemn them and change, chain them from where they are, hoping that somehow they will change and go to Jesus, you've just opened that person up for a spirit of condemnation. And therefore, it's a fruit of you walking in the flesh, not them. You're walking in the flesh, not in the spirit. Because the Bible says that God's way of dealing with is conviction. But you know what? I've been convicted, Mother Owens, with a smile on my face. Because when God convicts me, that actually makes me feel good. Because it knows that God knows where I am, but he's not going to leave me where I am. And so he's pricking my heart because I want to change. Conviction is not something where you leave and go, oh. I'm such a bad person. Oh, I'm so wrong. I'm so, oh, I'm just a sick person. No, conviction says, thank you, God.
God for pointing out things in my life that are needing to be changed because I want to get closer to you. If you don't feel that way, that's because you're not walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh. You see, conviction has a remedy, but guilt and shame have no remedy. In fact, guilt and shame lead to us trying to be our own savior. And when you do that, you live an up or down existence. I mean, your life is like this. I got to read a little bit more and some of this stuff. And I came across this in a medical journal that I came across. And I was shocked when I read it. Because when reading it, it immediately brought my attention back to the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 5. That there is some research out there going on right now to determine why is there so much disease? Why is there so much sickness? Why is all this stuff happening in the world? And there was a group of doctors that started to look at some things that are that potentially are beyond the scope. Now, I'm not here today to give this as if you're here today and you're battling with... Let me put this disclaimer out. This is important. If you're here today and you're battling with physical ailments or you have some things in your life, I'm not saying that they're a product of what I'm going to read. I'm not a medical doctor. I don't play one on TV. I'm simply reading what I saw, and I just know that it's interesting because it matches up. So if you're here today and you get offended because you're saying, are you telling me the reason I am the way I am is because of this thing? I'm not saying anything. Now, if God's telling you that, you're going to have to take over Jesus. But the word toxic means affected with or poisoned. Acting or having the effect of poison, poisonous. Causing unpleasant feelings, harmful, malicious. I came across this. That a researcher has begun to say that he lists what he determined to be toxic emotions. And when you say toxic emotions, he said that these things actually start to have a negative effect on our health. These toxic emotions are this, anger, bitterness, boredom, criticism, depression, fear, guilt, greed, hate, insecurity, jealous, regret, resentment, shame, self-loathing. What did Paul say? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outburst, anger, outburst of wrath, that's anger, self-ambitions, dissension, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and are the like. Boy, that has some very similar And this guy said that these emotions, which Paul said are the fruit of the flesh, he said that these emotions are actually starting to have a negative effect on health. In fact, there was one study I came across, and I don't know if this is true or not, it just was fascinating to me, that claimed one five-minute outburst of anger suppresses your immune system for six hours or more. That when these toxic emotions are released in your body, when you lose your temper because you can't control yourself, bottom line, I don't care, well, they made me mad. No, you have a choice. You don't know what they did to me. You've got a choice. Well, we don't like talking about this. 
I can feel it. That's okay. You a preacher, tell me what I need to do to get Jesus to tickle me today so I feel good about myself. And you want to walk out of there and you want to have the same attitude. You want to walk in the same choices. You want to do the same thing. You want to live the, in the walk in the flesh but have the benefits of the Spirit. It doesn't work that way. If you want the benefits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, if you want these things in your life, then you've got to do something about it. They're a product of how you walk. So this researcher says that when anger shows up, it attacks your body. And now, through this research, some are determining that these toxic emotions are causing high blood pressure, stress, anxiety, headaches, poor circulation, heart attacks, strokes, etc. I don't know whether or not that's true or not. I'm not here to declare today if that's true or not. I'm not here to say that if you're struggling with some of these things, it's a product of that. But I do have something to say is that the Bible says that those who walk in the flesh have issues. And if the flesh is warring against the spirit and the spirit is warring against the flesh and this body that carries that is the container for that, whichever is winning that war, my physical being is going to take the, the brunt of that war. Because you know what? We talk about well, several weeks ago, we just celebrated Palm Sunday, right? Several weeks ago, we celebrate Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was about the fact that Jesus entered in triumphantly into Jerusalem. And everybody thought when he entered in triumphantly into Jerusalem, that finally, yes, this is it. I knew he would finally wake to his senses. Brother Owens, Jesus is finally realizing who he is. And Jesus has come to celebrate and to triumph over the Romans and triumph over all this, 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 this oppression and he's going to establish his kingdom and we're all going to live victorious but what they did not realize was yes Jesus was coming to Jerusalem to triumph yes he was coming to Jerusalem to triumph but he wasn't coming here to triumph so that he could sit on a throne but yet he was coming to conquer the flesh because what they didn't realize is when he was walking on that, coming in on that donkey, that there was a garden in his future where he was going to have to stand in that garden and say, not my will, but thine be done. Where he was going to have to conquer the flesh so that you and I can conquer the flesh. Because you can't conquer the flesh through your own dealings. The only way to conquer the flesh is through Jesus Christ. And if he wouldn't have won the victory over flesh, you and I couldn't have won the victory over flesh. That's why the Bible says, if God so loved the world, that he sent his only begotten son who delivers us. Why? Because he walked in flesh. And the Bible says he was, he was attempted of all things like as we were. But he was an overcomer. Why? Because through his overcoming, we can overcome. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, look. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open it, I will come in and will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit on with me on my throne just as I was victorious. So you're going to walk in victory because I walked in victory. So instead of leaving here today depressed because, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I'll never get it right. To know that greater is he. There's an answer and a remedy to this. But it got a little, gets a little deeper. 
Because only God can fix toxic emotion. Only God can do it. The Bible talks about giving us grace out. We stand before the throne to receive grace. Can I tell you this today? You can't afford not to change. Ooh. Turn to somebody. They may hit you, but that's okay. Tell them, say, you can't afford not to change. You can't afford to stay like you are. Well, you know, I'm just a hothead. Hey, isn't that the case, right? Let's go back to that real quick. Let's think of some excuses. Ready? Because this is why we do it. This is what we do, right? Oh, adultery. I'm just in a bad marriage. Fornication. I just need companionship. Uncleanness. Well, you know, I just like to do my thing and be out there and party like it's 1999. (laughs) Lewdness. It's not a big deal. It's just joke among men. Idolatry. It's not idolatry. I just love these things. Sorcery. Hatred. Contention. Jealousies. All of you on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter... Jealousy is, there's actually, they're starting to, they're having people have to go to therapy because of social media. Because there's such a jealousy and an envy of those who go on social media. Because let's be honest, no one very rarely ever takes pictures of their bad days. Selfie. (laughs) Caption, my life is terrible and I don't want to live anymore. You're like, man, my life's not that bad. No, it's like beach day. You're in a cubicle working 19 hours today because your boss is yelling. They're on the beach. And you're like, my life stinks. <laughs> Posting their brand new car when you're trying to push yours down the hill to get it started. <laughs> Got new clothes. Look at my new gear. You're like, I just wish I had gear. There's actually legitimate. But you know what? This is producing and feeding our flesh because people run up their credit card trying to compete with something they saw online because they think if I can be like that person, I can feel better. And oh, I got 1.6 million followers showing everybody how great my life is. But on the inside, I'm empty. It was so sad yesterday. Brother Brandt was with me. We were down there together. And it was so sad. We were down down in D.C. going to the game. There was hundreds and thousands of people. And we heard this. I'm like, what is that? I was like, this this is good. What is this going to be? And we're standing there on the street. We're standing on the corner about to cross the street. And And pulled in front of us was a silver... Ferrari. Yes. I mean, it looked good. And I'm like, man, look at that car. And then I looked. I'm like, are you serious? In the car, some of you won't know this name, but in the car was John Wall. John Wall is the starting port guard for the Washington Wizards, makes God knows how much money, plays in front of thousands of people every night. And there's John Wall on the corner with all these people going to a hockey game going. (laughs) And everyone's like, ooh, look, it's John Wall. Ooh, that's so cool. It's John Wall. And I thought, how sad is John Wall? Because I, 
The night before, they just played a basketball game. And I thought, really? Your life is so shallow that you gotta take your, and he had, it was brand new. In fact, he still had the dealer, little, little cardboard dealer tag on it. And this thing was fresh off the boat. It was good. But I thought, how sad do you have to be, John Wall, that you gotta come down in front of all these people to show off what you got because you're telling everybody, I'm so empty that if I don't have your accolade, I've got nothing in my life. Now, they didn't see that, and maybe you disagree, but that's what I saw. I thought, that is so sad. He didn't have the top down with a hat on, with glasses, trying to be incognito. He had the convertible up. He had no glasses on. He's like, yeah, what's up? It's me, John Wall. Yes, thank you, everyone. And there's thousands of people walking around. I'm like, are you serious? How sad do you have to be? And those are the people that were chasing. Those are the people we stop at the grocery store, look at the magazine, and go, oh, my goodness. I wish I was marrying Prince Harry. I wish I was a princess. Take me now. I'll be your princess. Be my prince. Not knowing that all that stuff... Because in six months, you're going to hear $17 billion divorce. They can't make it. Why? Because it's emptiness. And we look at all these things. Well, you know what? Jealousy. That's just the way it is. Outburst of wrath. I'm just, I got a temper. It's just my father had a temper. My grandfather had a temper. It just runs in the family. No, your grandfather couldn't control it. Your dad couldn't control it. And now you can't control it. Ooh, see, it's getting tight in here. That's all right. Selfish ambitions. It's me. It's mine. It's all about me. You see, we clothe selfish ambitions with the with that word that covers everything. Ministry. Woo! Ooh, what, what time is it? I know you're clicking. Please hurry up, Joe. Get this done. I don't like this today. We, we, we use the term ministry. Because we want to get that ministry. What's my ministry? That's just a fancy word of hiding. self ambition because it's not what's my ministry it's what's my Jesus and there's this jockey it's like musical chairs you should see people those of you that were here and I'm not trying to pick you we were we started this thing off two years ago and those of you we, we, we dug this thing we were it was it was a it was a struggle in the beginning remember this those of you that are here in the very beginning two years ago it was like musical chairs Everyone that came to Arnold, they were like this. <laughs> Trying to wait for the music to stop so they could get their seat at the table. And man, when the music, everybody's jockeying for position, fighting and kicking. And I thought, three months into this, I'm like, what did I sign up for? Why? Because it's self-ambition. I'll give you an answer. You think this thing's going to make you feel any better about yourself? Because this thing reveals more than it hides. Self-ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelies. Oh, I got, it's just because this, because of that. No, it's flesh. So I started digging a little more. This is, it gets interesting. I came across this article. 
they interviewed Dr. Stephen Stanford. 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 Chief of surgery at the Cancer Treatments of America. Started, interviewed him. And the article was entitled, Deadly Consequences of Unforgiveness. And this is what Dr. Stephen Standiford said. Refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. And with that in mind, I've begun forgiveness therapy is now being used to help treat diseases such as cancer. According to this doctor of the patients that he had dealt with, 61% of the patients that he had come to his practice had admitted to having forgiveness issues. And of those, more than half are severe. He said it's important to treat emotional wounds or disorders because they really can hinder someone's reaction to treatments, even someone's willingness to pursue treatment. Harboring negative emotions. This is not out of the Bible, folks. This is out of... This is out of an article written by two doctors. Harboring negative emotions such as anger and hatred creates a state of chronic anxiety. Chronic anxiety very predictably produces excess adrenal and cortisol, which deplete the production of natural killer cells, which is the body's foot soldier in the fight against cancer. Now, if you don't believe that, because that's not a big enough name, let's go a little farther to a name that probably gives a little more credibility to all this. I came across this article, Johns Hopkins University article. It says this, whether it's a simple spat with your spouse or long-held resentment toward a family member or friend, unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize. It may be affecting your physical health. The good news is studies have found that the act of forgiveness, this is not Bible, folks. This is not telling you that Jesus forgave, you should forgive. This is medical science trying to figure out how can we help people because they need help. Studies have now found the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. And research points to an increase in forgiveness health connection as you age. Meaning the older you get, the more you need to forgive. Woo! There is an er enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Says Karen Swartz, medical doctor, director of the Mood Disorders Adult Consultant Clinic, Johns Hopkins Hospital. Chronic anger puts you into flight or fight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase a risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Now this is Johns Hopkins. I'm not reading the Bible. Johns Hopkins. Says this, forgiveness is not just saying words. It is an active process in which you are conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether the person deserves it or not. As you release the anger, resentment, and hostility, you begin to feel empathy, compassion, and sometimes even affection for the person who wronged you. Woo! 
Studies have found that some people who are naturally more forgiving, consequently, they tend to be more satisfied with their lives, have less depression, anxiety, stress, anger, and hostility. People who hang on to grudges, however, are more likely to experience severe depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as other health conditions. But that doesn't mean they can't train themselves to act in healthier ways. In fact, 62% of Americans, adults, say they need, the more, they need more forgiveness in their personal lives. That's not Bible today, folks. I know some of you are like, well, it's, I, don't, I don't know if it's, if it's trash science or not. I just found that it's interesting that people are looking for help. And you know what? We want a spiritual pill that we can pop and feel better without having to change. Oh, pastor, today, give me my weekly Advil so I can numb the pain and numb the headache because I'm not willing to deal with my actions. And I want to hold on to grudges. I want to hold on to anger. I want to hold on to these things. I don't want to deal with them. But I want God to fix everything that are as a result of the fact that I'm willing to change my stuff. And so we come down and we get God. I wonder how many people could be delivered if we first start the way you're acting. You say, why, why don't we see more healings in this place? Why don't we see more deliverance in this place? Maybe it's because the product of what we are is because the way we're acting. Oh, yes, we want God to come and be the Savior, but we're not willing to look at our own self because we're harboring hurt, we're harboring resentment, we're harboring hatred and, and all this stuff that we're keeping that are having a negative effect on our lives. But yet we want God to make our life perfect and peace. And we say, well, life for me is so hard and so difficult. And I understand you're talking about love and joy and peace and all these things, and I don't have all this stuff. God, give them to me, and God doesn't give them to me. And you say, well, see, I knew the Bible was wrong. I knew the Bible didn't work. Because you're walking in the flesh. Not in the spirit. Heard the story, and I'm, I'm I'm almost done. Heard the story. Some of you know this man. He's been here before, not here, but he was here when we were to, well, before we launched two years ago. Doctor James Hughes. Doctor James Hughes is a is a is a as a minister travels all over, but he's also a licensed psychologist, doctor of psychology. In fact, it was quite a fascinating story. He he's a fascinating man. I've I've I've, I haven't met anybody, very few people I've met as fascinating as him. And his story is quite unique. He was all, I believe he was close to 50 years old, somewhere in that area, maybe 40s. And he was a, a structural engineer. He was an engineer. That's what his life was. And he was, a, his, he was a minister in a church, working construction, doing that kind of stuff. And they had a, they had a, 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 a outbreak. I hate to use that term. I can't think of a better term. But they had sort of a slew of, of suicides that hit the church, like four or five in a, in a less than a year period. And the pastor came to him and said, James, we need to help these people. And we need to figure out what's happened. We need to help. I want you to go to school and become a doctor of psychology so we can help these people. And at almost 50 years old, somewhere in that area, he quit his job, left all that, and pursued a doctorate in psychology. Because his pastor told him. I'm not telling you, I'm going to come to you and tell you, go be a lawyer, doctor, Indian chief. Don't panic. I'm not paying your school bills either. But my point is, a fascinating life. And so I was, uh, I've had opportunity to talk. And he told a story one time. He said his wife had had knee replacement surgery. And so, because she had knee replacement surgery, she had to sleep on the 
on the recliner in the living room. And he told her, said, well, wherever you sleep, that's where I'm going to sleep. We've been together for, I don't know how many years they've been married, 30, 40 years, whatever it is. I never slept in another room, so I'm not starting now. So he decided to sleep on the couch. She slept on the chair. One night he said the lights were off, couldn't see. Got up to go and ran smack into the coffee table and hit it so hard it shattered the front part of his leg. Next morning, got up, go to the doctors, did the x-ray, and they came back and said, uh, Mr. Hughes, we found something. He's like, well, duh. I mean, my leg is shattered. They said, do you know that there is a piece of metal in the bottom of your foot? No, I didn't know that. He said, I don't even remember ever stepping on anything for that to happen. He's, they said, we did x-rays and discovered that in your foot, there's a, there's a piece of metal that's in your foot. You can't see, it's, under, it's up underneath there, but it's in your foot. And he said, well, well, that makes a lot of sense. He said, I, I was wondering why there would be days my foot would just ache, pain. And the doctor said this. The doctor said, more than likely, that piece of metal in your foot is what caused you to break your leg. Because subconsciously, when you began to put your foot down and, that, and your body knew there was something wrong, it caused you to adjust your leg to save yourself from the pain. And to adjust yourself from the pain of that piece of metal, you ran into that coffee table and shattered your leg. How many of us today are living with little things in our life? Oh, not a gunshot wound. We haven't had our leg blown off. But little stuff, Brother Tino, that lives under the surface of our life. That every once in a while we wake up and we hurt. We wake up and we have these feelings, these strong emotions. But we really don't know what it's from. And they go away after a day or two. And we live for a while. But don't realize that there are things in our life that are being left unresolved. And those things are causing us to have to adjust our behavior. And that adjustment of behavior is actually causing and leading us to more damage. You see, that's why I say it's not today about coming here putting in your hour and a half, worshiping, hearing some man ramble on for 45 minutes and going home and saying, well, that was done. Now I can't, I don't have to do that again. I don't have to do it again to next week. It's over with. But this is about what are you going to do in the morning when you wake up? What do you do when you look at yourself in the mirror tomorrow morning and you're brushing your teeth? Hopefully that's part of your routine. And you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, today, self, let me tell you something. You're not winning today. Self, you listen to me. Today, you're not winning today. Because greater is he that is in me. And I tell you, self, you will not control. You will not be in charge. Anger, hatred, jealousy, malice, contention. You will not win today. And I tell you what, if you do win, then when I get up the next morning, you're not going to eat breakfast. You're not going to eat lunch. You're not going to eat dinner. I'm going to fast you. I'm going to fast you until you can't even make it one more day. Because you are not going to win. You see, the problem is, we want to come down here. Oh, oh, pastor, pray for me. 
No, you can't shake it out. You've got to think it out. You can't get it out just by trust. shaking and baking and doing a few songs. He is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Yes, he is good. But you've got to make a choice when you get up in the morning. Who's going to be in control? And when you wake up tomorrow and these things pop up, it should be a warning sign. The alarm's going off to tell you that flesh is winning today. Flesh is winning today. And I can't afford to let my flesh win today. Oh, Sunday we win. Sunday, I'm going. I'm tired, but I'm going to make it to church. But what about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? That's why we've made the switch. We're not trying to be Christians. We're trying to be disciples. Why? Because a disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. So you can be a Christian and walk in the flesh. You can be a Christian and be controlled by the flesh. But the definition of a disciple is someone who is actively denying or trying to walk a life of denying their flesh. You say, brother, right? You're just making it sound like it's so easy. Oh, no, no, no. It's not easy. It's a fight. Oh, you're just making it sound like all I got to do is just wake up in the morning and everything's going to be different. No, 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 no. Some things are so rooted deep in you, you're not going to make it in just one day. In fact, you're going to wake up today and, and guess what's going to happen? Let me just show you what's going to happen. You're going to say, today I'm not going to get angry. Guarantee you on the way to work, some knucklehead is going to cut you off in traffic. And as you grip that steering wheel... In prayer towards them. Father, you love them. But God, for my sake, would you put a lightning bolt in their gas tank? Just for me. As you have those moments, realize, okay, but flesh is still not going to win. It's a choice. It's a choice. See, I want us to get closer to Jesus. But as we get closer to Jesus, we need to become better people. We got too many people running around claiming themselves to be Christians that don't have any fruit of the Spirit in their life. But truly, I want to walk in the Spirit. Would you stand today? I know I've gone just a little longer than I normally did. I don't apologize for that. I'm following the Holy Ghost. But I wonder today, right where you are, I, was thought, about, I thought about doing an altar call, doing all that, but, but to me, too many times in those, here's the problem with that. Too many times in that, we make an emotional decision. We'll come down here, and some of us feel, you know, we, we oh, I want to change. I'm not really worrying about what your reaction is here. I want your altar call to be tomorrow morning when you wake up. 
Instead of coming down here and giving five minutes of your time or ten minutes of your time standing here and, and, and not saying this is wrong, we'll do it again. We've done it before. Oh, God, or even standing or here today, five minutes or ten minutes. God, I'm going to change. God, help me to change. Lord, I don't want to be this way anymore. By your grace, Lord, help me change. How about in the morning when you wake up, that be your altar call? I'll come to your house, play a little music if that helps. Why don't you let tomorrow morning be your altar call? And when you get up today, say, Lord, from Monday, April the 23rd, I declare that flesh will not rule my life today. Guess what? Some of you are going to pray that, and it's not going to work. And you know what? That's okay. Father, flesh is one today. Forgive me. Let your blood wash over me. When I wake up Tuesday morning, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to have an altar call again. Flesh, I'm putting you on the altar today. And you know what? My flesh is strong. And I'm going to put it on the altar, but it's going to get back up. I'm going to put it back on the altar, and it's going to get back up. But I'm determined. It's not a one-time thing. It's like people that go on a diet, and they have the first, I mean, today, today, perfect. I eat skinless chicken. Vegetables, water. I didn't even suck in calories in the air. I didn't even breathe all day. I was perfect. So you know what that means? I get a treat tomorrow. Ice cream, cake, because I deserve a treat. That's what we do, right? Oh, I prayed so much today. I'm taking tomorrow off. I got to take a time off. Am I right? This is about walking in the Spirit. And we walk in the Spirit, we'll have the fruit of the Spirit. If we got the fruit of the Spirit, we'll change our world if we walk in the Spirit. Because when you walk in the Spirit in this world that's driven by the flesh, people recognize, I don't know why you're different, but you're different. Father, by your grace today, we come to you. Acknowledge that without you, we can do nothing. God, you see our frailties. In fact, you said that we are but earthen vessels. And God, you even said you know our frame that is but dust. God, you you gave us in creation this vehicle that we call flesh. But God, you gave us the antidote to our flesh, your spirit. And I pray today that you would give us the faith to stand boldly before the throne of grace that we may receive help. I loose in this place today grace to be upon your people. I loose that grace would be upon us that we would walk in grace. We would stand in grace. That we would live in grace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, touch our minds today. Transform us by the renewing of our mind through, the, through your word. Let us walk in the spirit. God, some of us don't know how to even begin. But Lord, your grace is sufficient. And Lord, I pray when we wake up in the morning that our, your presence would be there with us. And your presence and your love would compel us to say, God, today I need your help in my life. I pray all these things. I speak all these things. I claim all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you this morning.